Well, Stephen, I, I want to start with you um, by introducing you as White Sox fan, Stephen yeah. Nelson, because yeah. there are not many in the national media that yeah. root for the Southsiders. Do you feel like you're a part of that special fraternity? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the select few, uh, the ones who are uh, still going despite us being dead inside as White Sox fans. The, Josh, I mean, I just got to be honest with you. This year started with so much promise and hope and expectation, but it has been the most soul-sucking season that I can recall in my White Sox fandom. I don't mean to start off on such a negative foot. That was a really <laughs> down note to begin with. You sound like all of White Sox Twitter. That's okay. Uh, we yeah. see it all the time here. Yeah. Um, before we go into this season a little bit further, how would you become a White Sox fan growing up in Southern California? That's Yeah, that's a good question. So my, my father grew up in Mount Prospect, Illinois. And so my grandparents are still out there. My aunts, my uncles, my cousins. So when we were just there for you know, Friday night baseball doing the game for Apple TV plus, you know, I brought my wife and young son, my father and mother were there and we got the whole family together. So it's just, um, the city of Chicago, Chicago land uh, means a great deal to me. And so for me and my sports loving life, I just wanted to be like my dad. I just followed pop. And so for him, it was the white Sox, even though everybody else in the family bleeds cubby blue. He, mm. as a kid, I don't know if it's that kid thing where you just want to be contrarian. He hated the teddy bear thing. I, I don't know what it was, but he ended up being a Southsider and loved going to Comiskey Park. And so he passed that love of the Sox and love for baseball on to me. You also have some Blackhawks connections. You got to call some games this year and you were part of the Rockford Ice Hogs broadcast yeah. team uh, about a decade ago. Gosh, yeah, I think the gray hair probably says... Yeah, a decade sounds about right, but I can't believe it's been that long. Ice hogs forever. You know, once a hog, always a hog. And I, I, uh, I have a really close relationship with 90. You know, driving up and down I-90, going from the BMO to O'Hare to pick up players, families, going to the Vienna Beef Factory and loading the ice hogs PT cruiser up with frozen hot dogs and then driving back down 90 and having kids stare at me funny because they're like, what are you driving and why? Um, so, no, I, I look back on my time in Rockford so fondly because that was, like we all do, our first real job or real position. It was an internship, real position out of college. You know, that's where we all get our foot in the door and get our start. And so uh, I'll, the Ice Hogs will have my heart forever and the same with the city of Rockford. Love that. Let's get back to the soul-crushing White Sox now. Um, <laughs> take a take a 30,000-foot view of this season, and yeah. we can point to a lot of things that have gone wrong. Where would you point the blame? And it could be obviously dispersed amongst many. Yeah, I mean, the entire organization has to wear it. What we've seen up to this point, they are, have been the most disappointing and frustrating watch in all of baseball. And I think you can sum it up between the lines because there's a number of ways we can go with this. But if you just, just look between the white lines, it is a brutal fundamental baseball team. They do not do any of the little things well. And I could throw at you a bunch of numbers and stats and rankings that would back that up. But I think if you were to turn on a White Sox game and just watch the team, the eye test would tell you the same thing. They don't catch the ball cleanly. They don't run the bases well. They get thrown out at home seemingly more than any other team in baseball. Um, they give up 90 feet, you know, do an intentional talk with Kevin Millar, something he has preached to, to me and any young baseball fan or player is respect 90. 
respect 90 feet and the game will give back to you. And the White Sox do not respect 90. They give up the extra base, the extra out, um, way more than the other team does this year. And that's why they are where they are in the standings. And that's why it's one step forward, one step back, two step forwards, two steps back. So that's what's going on between the lines. I, I can't and won't speak to what's happening in the clubhouse. We've seen those national reports. I Knowing some of the guys in there as I do, I'm, I'm a, still a believer in the leadership and the character and the energy that this roster has and definitely believe in the talent. But when you don't do the little things, you're going to pay some big losses and, and they have now going back even further away from the field. Um, the, the front office that constructed this roster, which yes, talented, but does have some deficiencies, uh, lack of balance, um, investing in what has proven to be the most volatile position in the sport, the bullpen, investing heavily there, as opposed to bringing back, say, Carlos Rodon after a year he's finishing top five in Cy Young. And, and um, those things leave you scratching your head, um, player development. Um, it, it's, it's an organizational issue. And look, there's still plenty of season left. And despite all the things that I said, they still have a legitimate shot at this division. So you got to count your lucky stars there, but um, you know, it's, it's going to get late soon. Yeah. 64 games to go here. Trade deadline sneaking up, obviously a few days from now, is there a move to be made for Rick Hahn that you think he has to go out and get this or address this spot to help catch the twins and the guardians? You know, Josh, I think you and I and really every single person um, who's a baseball fan, we can play fantasy GM in our heads and we can think up moves that make sense. Okay, A makes sense, but you know what? If that's swinging too high, even option B or option C makes sense. Um, I, you've heard Rick Hahn say that bullpen, despite their big investments in that position group, is their biggest area of need or their largest target heading into the trade deadline, which is kind of mystifying, but you know that they're going to be aggressive and trying to fortify the pitching staff. Mark Feinstein, my colleague here at MLB network has said the same, um, but the organization has to know itself better than you, me, or any fan does. They have to say, what are we as a team this year? Because, the top of our farm system has graduated to the major league level. And so we don't have a ton of depth in the farm. Do we want to say, forget it. We're in this world series window. Now let's spend all the prospect capital we have and go for it. Do we think that highly of this group, despite what we've seen up to this point, or do they say that's putting a bandaid on a broken bone? And we have a lot of broken bones that we need to reevaluate in the offseason. Um, so this is a really pivotal time for the organization as a whole. If, if they are going to be active, I don't want to say all that as a cop out and not give you an answer to your question. Uh, you know, I, I look at a team like the Diamondbacks, an organization that the White Sox have traded with in the past. You know, Joe Mantiply, a left-handed reliever, who was an all-star this year, doesn't walk anybody do you try and build a package around him and a David Peralta, who's a veteran outfielder, who's a left-handed bat, um, who's got some pop and a player that 
isn't going to be around long-term in Arizona as he gets into his upper thirties. Do you go there? Do you try and bring back an old friend like Frankie Montas, knowing that that price is probably going to be steep. The Oakland A's are going to ask for. Um, I don't know. Or another old friend, Jose Quintana, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who's had a really resurgent year for the Buccos this year. Um, that probably you know, would make sense given the White Sox history and track record and trying to acquire players. So there's a number of moves that can be made, moves that if you were to push the chips in this year should be made. But that's a question for Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, and the entire brass on the south side. They have to answer first. Finally, Stephen, moving to the north side, you're going to be on the call for Cubs-Giants tomorrow night on Apple TV. You've done a great job so far uh, with that opportunity again to go all over the country and call these games, um, getting to see the Cubs. And, and we think Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ are going to be playing, but you never know, right? Uh, after this interview is recorded, it could be, could be on the move. But right. what do you make of what the Cubs have become these last few years in full sell-off mode? So again, just from a personal standpoint, yeah, I grew up a Sox fan, but I, I wasn't, I was never one of those Sox fans that, that hated the Cubs. You know, when the Cubbies won it all in 2016, I was overjoyed for my grandfather, my grandmother, my grandparents who, who loved baseball, loved the sport, my aunts and uncles who, to just die so hard with, with the Northsiders. Um, and so given that I, it, I'm mystified with what has happened with the Chicago Cubs since that magical run in 2016, sort of like the Blackhawks. It seemed like everything was in front of the organization to be set up for success for another decade. There was no reason why that team in that market should have any issues staying competitive. And yet here we are a few days away from the trade deadline again, instead of talking about this win streak out of the all-star break and looking toward the future with a replenished farm system after last year's trade deadline, instead we're talking about tearful hugs in the dugout with two homegrown all-stars who don't want to go anywhere, but are likely going somewhere. And this is happening to a fan base that was also told that having that semantics game of it's not a rebuild, it's a retool and we're going to be competitive next year. Well, wouldn't two all-stars help you be competitive next year? One of the best hitting catchers in the game who has been given a, a extra life with the introduction of the designated hitter in the national league. You know, wouldn't you want a guy like Ian Happ who's had a roller coaster ride of development, but has seemingly put things together in 2022 it's that's if I'm a Cub fan, it's hard to reconcile the mixed messaging that you're getting. But again, that's easy for me to say, you know, Jed Hoyer and the front office, um, they may have a view of this team moving forward that is different from what you and I see and from what you and I would do. Um, but yeah, as for this this weekend in San Francisco, I, I hope that I get to see Wilson Contreras and Ian happen. Uh, and company play play baseball because I enjoy watching those two guys and um, I, I wish I could say that they were going to be around in Chicago for the next run toward a postseason but it certainly doesn't seem that way and that, that leaves me scratching my head a little bit well this is really fun Stephen appreciate it man and uh, hopefully we'll talk again and maybe who knows it could be during a White Sox playoff run and we'll see where things stand with your uh, with your soul and your heart around <laughs> that time. hey Josh I would love that anytime 